one, and we're live. You're tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have an interesting guest in the studio with me. Um, I actually found him through his Instagram profile, Singapore Legal Advice. And doing a little bit of research, I kind of hooked up and I got in contact with him and I got in contact with Yuk Lun. Yeah. So Yuk Lun is with me in the studio today. Yuk Lun, could you please give uh, an introduction to yourself? And what is Singapore Legal Advice? Okay, great, great to be here today. Uh, my name is Yiglun and I'm the founder of SingaporeLegalAdvice.com. Uh, SingaporeLegalAdvice.com is the one-stop platform for individuals and businesses in Singapore. So whatever is your legal need as an individual or as a business, we want to be there to, for you to be, to find, uh, to fulfill what you need, hmm. whether it's information, whether it's, uh, a quotation from a lawyer or whether it's a phone consultation of a lawyer, we want to be there to fulfill your needs. Could you, yeah. could you, okay, so that is a lot of things. Could you tell me what Singapore legal advice isn't? Do you have your own team of lawyers? Do you have, yeah, because law is something that I have no experience in. I only know from what I see online or see on TV or read yeah. books. So could yeah. you please tell me what is single legal, Singapore legal advice, what is it and what isn't it? Uh, so it isn't a law firm. Mm. We don't have our own lawyers. Yep. We don't give uh, free legal advice uh, because we're not able to do so. And uh, yeah, so we're not these things. What we are, we connect people to their needs. Yep. And uh, yes, I mentioned a lot of things. And I think in Singapore, you you kind of have to do quite a lot of things in, in a way because the market is kind of small. Mm. So you have to provide different kinds of services for more people in order to, you know, just be able to survive and yep. be sustainable. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious as to how, why would you want to start something like this? Could, could you just take me back, paint, paint me a picture as to the, the point at which you started? Because um, I think I read somewhere that you went through law school. Yeah. And what is the path from after law school? Because I said, I have no conception of what, it takes to be a lawyer. I know something about the bar. So <laughs> yeah. please, uh, please go ahead. Uh, to me, it's a very natural progression. Yeah. Uh, what you learn in law school essentially is a lot of theory. You learn uh, basically the law. And, uh, but before that, I had some experience with building websites. Mm. So it's with a friend. Uh, I had my own interest, like just building very simple websites. And uh, I had a friend who, Who's, who was trying to do like a travel website and I just helped helped out along. And I kind of learned, uh, well, that it's kind of possible to get some traffic uh, by having a resource online. Okay, we didn't- Resource on, okay. Yeah, so we, we didn't really succeed in that. In fact, we just did it like maybe once a week. Yeah. Uh, that was way before, even before I was in university. So yeah. this was about, let's say, five years back, seven years back? No, I, I'm actually, I'm actually older. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, you look, yeah, you look yeah, 25, yeah. dude. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's like maybe 10 years, 10 plus, 10 yeah. years back. So when, when you, when I went into law school, then it seemed like kind of natural to just try out to say, Hey, there's no, uh, there isn't a website, uh, about the law. Uh, that's kind of like that, yeah. that we see overseas and that I kind of see like nobody's doing it yet. Yep. And so it seems like natural to just like, you know, just try, just, uh, just do up something. Yep. And at the start, there was really, it was really just a blog called a blog, a blog, a, a blog with some <laughs> articles on it. That, that's, and whenever I had time, I would, uh, just, uh, add some articles. Yep. So I didn't even 
like say work super super hard on it it's yeah. like uh whenever i had time it was like I'll, a side hobby thing yeah yeah it was in, in school okay yeah it was like side hobby thing and i think up to maybe even year three or maybe one year before i graduated i still thought i was going to be a lawyer how many years uh, just, four just four years so it's, so it's four years okay. plus uh you have to take the bar exam okay. so so after four years i think they're changing the rules right now but it might uh well i yeah, think I'll maybe <laughs> They only changed the rules like last year or this year. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh, that time you just, you took uh, four years of, for local study, you took four years yeah. and then you had six months of study and then you took the bar exam. Wow. And you also need to have six months of uh, practice training. So you work in a yeah. law firm and get that contract. So total of one year extra to become a lawyer. So let's say about five years in total. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so I took, I made the decision not, not to take that route. So after graduation, I just didn't do, I just didn't do it. So I can't call myself a lawyer. I can only call myself a law graduate. You can't call yourself a lawyer legally. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't give legal advice as well because oh, I'm what, not qualified. What would you define as legal advice? <laughs> um, well, legal advice actually is something given by a lawyer or law firm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's. But you can advise. Let's say if your friend has a business and he wants some advice in that sense, that is totally possible. It's just not legal in a in an official sense. Uh, it's not legal in a sense that I can't hold myself out to be doing that, and and I cannot be giving the impression that I am a lawyer, oh, because okay. then people might say that hey, you represented yourself yep. as a lawyer, and I depended on your advice. Yep. And sometimes it is a problem, even if it's free. Mm. yeah anyway anyway for a lot of things i personally don't have enough experience to advise on them mm. so um yeah so I, I usually try not to and singapore legal advice as a platform we also try to um give the essential information what is out there what is uh general enough for people to be able to understand the issue but in order for them to take action usually they would have to go to a lawyer yeah so it is kind of like a bridge would you would you give that yeah, yeah, it is kind of like a bridge because okay. it is, uh, I would say it's kind of opaque. Opaque, okay. Because law is just like any, well, it's just like any other kind of service. You go, if, you, if you've never done it, you don't know how much it costs, you don't yes. know what it's going to be like, yep. um, and you're scared. Yeah. yeah. So we want to be there to uh, kind of assure you that it's, uh, that there is a good solution. So we, I mean, along the way, there have been many, many interesting um, things that we learned, for example, that if you go to a law firm yep. with your query, and sometimes the lawyers don't reply you, like you think you have a good case, you just want to know your case and all that, mm. but the lawyers don't reply you because, well, they have, firstly, they have their own cases to worry about. Yep. And secondly, they take a look at your query and they see that, hey, this is going to take me a bit of time just to give you an answer on whether it's a good case or not, mm. to sit down and review with you anything that, well, on the face of it, you're probably not going to be putting that much money into this case anyway. Like once you hear the cost, you're just going to say, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm trying, trying to find my own way. And in these cases, like lawyers generally, they don't want the liability that comes with it. Yep. So they might say, you know, uh, they just don't respond much. So we found that it's a good thing sometimes to have a bridge uh, kind of step in between where like a general practitioner, you, uh, you pay a small sum of money and then the lawyer calls you for like a 20 minute call. So mm. you're paying the lawyer uh, something, the lawyer is getting something out of it. And the lawyer is just like for the 20 minutes, they'll like give you the advice to tell you, you know, where you are in that setting and like, what's it worth? Like, is it worth your time to do something about it? So the practicality of, 
I guess your case really do matter to certain law firms because it, it is time and money after all. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I mean, the bigger law firm you go, the more of a threshold they try to set yep. to see like, hey, does this guy have money and all that? If you go to a small law firm, then of course they are like more willing to work with like on a, on a smaller budget. And okay. uh, these are certain situations. So for other situations, you have uh, more standard cases. You might want just want a quotation. You don't need that, that pre-consultation kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, so we do that for our website and you can just send quotes to multiple lawyers as well. So that's, uh, this is the two main services. Then we started, uh, like adding a DIY willmaker service. And then also like we have some contract templates on the yep. website. Okay. Yeah, so this is how it, how it, how it, I mean, roughly how it grew. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to dial it back a little bit. Is it a conventional path for someone who has gone through law school? Is it difficult? From, from law experience? school yeah. is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot it's, of memorizing, or yeah, it's a lot of memorizing. Okay. but but then I guess everybody who who gets into law school is probably good at reading and writing. <laughs> I I just think that's that's the basic. Yep. Otherwise, you wouldn't be interested in it. Yeah, like maybe I think, uh, well, I'm like it's not rocket science. Mm. Most people can have an opinion about it and actually can have pretty good opinions about it. It's just that they don't want to write it. They don't want to like, you know, debate and, and to, and to like, uh, analyze it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But in law school, that's some sort of things you have to do. I think and I was told before that there is the English language and there is legalese. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that is what lawyers speak. <laughs> la, so. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not a top student or anything in law mm. school. So it's like, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I got by. <laughs> and was it easy, tough? I don't know. Like what? What do you compare it with? <laughs> I'm just personally curious because um, I would imagine going to law school and I guess becoming a lawyer in the end, it's like the it's like the triple star achievement for being an Asian, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just very curious because as I said, my, my only approach and my only uh, touch with law is from media. Yeah. And I guess that particular perception is pretty skewed. So could you paint, paint me a realistic picture as to uh, how I guess a law firm function is it as exciting as it is in in media? Oh, okay. I'm probably a wrong person to ask mm. for for that because I've only worked in law firms as an intern. Oh, okay. I uh, from what I understand, well, law school is like you go in and there is a lot of cases to study. There is a lot of uh, there are a lot of essays you read, mm. and then if uh. I suppose everybody just tries their best. Maybe you can't finish reading everything. Everybody tries their best. And then you, at the end of it, you, you try well to get notes from people or, or like make your own notes. And, and then at the end, you get a grade at the end of it. It's a very logical process. Uh, you mean like law school? Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, there will be, well, the way they teach in Singapore, there will be, there will be subjects you like more, subjects you like less. Subjects. Okay. I mean, I mean, because for example, contract law, is, is, is one kind. How they section it is like different kinds of content. Uh, so for content, there's one, well, sorry. Uh, yeah, so for content-wise, there are certain modules. For example, like contract law is a module, uh, tort law is a module, property law is a module. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of something. So you learn about these different kinds of law. Yep. And there are also other things like analytical skills or yep. analytical uh, analysis and research writing. Yeah, so these are all the things that you you learn. I guess you learn in in law school. Yeah, and uh, if if you hear 
anybody usually they'll say like uh you know law law is a great degree you can do anything you want with it mm. i'm sure you've heard that in the media i might have yeah yeah but the thing is the person saying is usually a lawyer so that's 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 a bias thing <laughs> I, a I i would tell i'll tell people like you you would have spent the time doing something else and maybe you, you know you would have gotten like you could have made good use of that time as well yeah, yeah. interesting um Dulling it back to uh, Singapore legal advice, what sort of adversities did you face in the very beginning? Because uh, after graduating from law school with, you you mentioned a little bit of a, like a tech background, right? With websites and everything. I would imagine your role today is a little bit more different because you have to manage the business. You have to grow the business. Yeah. So could you just tell me some of the adversities that you have faced or challenges really? Uh, I think the challenge at the start is you feel like uh, nothing is moving oh, okay. because you're, you're alone. So... Uh, so it started off as a solo. Uh, kind of actually, I, I had a I had a partner. Or I have a partner. Yep. Uh, and he, he worked out uh with me in like maybe the first. I mean, okay, when we we're doing part time in school. Yep. And after that, he decided to become a lawyer, mm. which is okay, it's fine. And uh, so mostly I was doing it on my own after graduation, and uh, it was just uh like at the start nothing moves, and for me, I think it was just like you have to be chill with it that that um it takes a bit of time mm. and especially if you're alone so and sometimes you know, i don't know if you felt it as a freelancer uh that you know like maybe one day you didn't do anything mm. and you just didn't get did not do anything yep. Yep. and then you just uh don't i guess you don't blame yourself and it's like okay whatever or you really blame yourself and you go drink but uh, anyways <laughs> <laughs> but yeah definitely, definitely and then like the next yeah. day you uh Cause okay, so at the start, what was important was I guess uh, writing and editing the articles. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes I'm just really slow at it and uh, editing and writing both. Yep. So maybe didn't get much done that day. Then okay, the next day you continue, and then after that, you get a steady flow of uh, articles, yep. and uh, and then after that you get a bit more traffic, and after that you okay. To be fair, um, even before I left law school, we managed to get one law firm or few a couple of law firms interested in advertising on the website so it was for it was for like like i don't i remember i remember the first check was for like a hundred dollars yep so that that was like oh it's hundred dollars but at that time we haven't graduated so it's like oh hundred dollars extra is great Uh, at a certain point in time one of the reasons i decided to not uh, continue in law Mm. was that uh like in either time like you saw that I needed to, uh, to make a new version of the website. What do you mean by that? Like, because at the, at the start, it was uh, built on WordPress. Okay. So wow. <laughs> I, I, did, I did the first template myself, yep. I think. Uh, the first two templates. And then after that, we just bought templates. And then after that, we got someone else to do it. So yep. it was kind of evolution. And at a certain point, I think maybe it was time when we got someone else to do the website. Yep. I saw that, okay, I need to work on this like uh, more time to actually work it out to actually you know liaise with them to to build out what was needed what's not and um so that that takes time and it also takes time to go and approach new lawyers to to advertise on a platform so um seeing that this next ne- takes time i'm not going to be able to do this yep. and to um take the bar exam and all that mm. so, so it was a conscious choice la. um not so much it was it just felt more natural to not not do the bar and and all that training contract yep. and also because at that time I mean, at a rather late time, I still hadn't gotten a training contract yet. What's a training contract? 
a training contract. Yeah, so where I described to you earlier, you need uh, six months take the bar exam. Yep. And the other part is that you need six months of traineeship at a law firm. So like a real world experience kind yeah, of like yeah. internship? Or step up yeah, from yeah, internship? Yeah, a, a step up from internship. Okay. Yeah, but you're not a real lawyer yet. So step up from internship. Is that a, that's not a paralegal, right? No, it's not a paralegal. What is a paralegal? A paralegal is someone who assists the lawyer in uh admin duties uh not really it can be legal research oh. but it's just that i guess for paralegal i think you are uh you are like uh like you're not gonna become a lawyer like it's it's a different kind of oh. categorization so you don't evolve into become a lawyer it's a different path it's a different path oh, interesting but but you could be a lawyer if you decide to go and take a degree and mm. and then become a lawyer but at the point in time usually for paralegals paralegals are like you have either a diploma or you are you have some other degree that you you can apply yeah i feel like for for this conversation i'm gonna ask you for a lot of definitions sure, and all sure, these little sure. things because as i said um i've always thought it's like a paralegal and you evolve into like a lawyer and i think the lawyer is kind of like the, the peak <laughs> uh, no but within the law firm there are like different there's a hierarchy oh, as well because okay. lawyers are actually i mean a law firm actually is made up of well, the, uh, one way they structure it is that it's made up of different teams. Interesting. So in each team, there is like an associate, uh, associates, senior associate. Then you have a partner who may be, at, uh, who may have a share in the firm or who may not have a share in the firm. And then you have the equity partner who has a share in the firm. So it, it kind of runs like that. But the variations of it, I guess, are like if you have, uh, a bunch of associates they are attached to separate several teams and all that yep, yep. but the general ranking is still like uh associate senior associate and then you have a partner at, at law firm so they are like small service businesses i think so interesting yeah have you watched the show suits before because <laughs> i think that's where i got a lot of my knowledge about lawyers and it's probably not wrong it's I, not wrong i i've not watched it but it's probably accurate do you cringe when you catch media portrayals of lawyers because you have you have gone through I guess the the, the studies and everything? Is it accurate in any sense? Do you remember? Uh, maybe the drama is not is not so dramatic. It's dull up. <laughs> yeah, it's dull up. I mean, you, when, uh, like you, I mean, in certain certain shows, of course, like you know, they highlight the scenes where the lawyer says certain things yeah. and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in real life, I think these moments just go by. So. Yeah, are you referring to like a courtroom scene? Yeah, it's like not courtrooms. as dramatic. Le. Yeah, it's not as dramatic. Fascinating. Okay, yeah. um, darling, it back to what you said about articles. Uh, and I guess uh, the, the the first you the first instance of you guys approaching uh, law firms. Could you tell me why you started with articles? And the second question would be, um, how was the how was the experience approaching, let's say? law firms to, I guess, pitch them this particular service. Was it entirely new at that point in Singapore that there wasn't anything like this? Because I would imagine, um, in my head, I would imagine like a search engine for law. Like it's kind of like Google, you search it and things come yeah. up. Is Singapore legal advice something like that? Uh, was, no. Was it present? Okay. No, we're not. And even now we're not running on the search engine model. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, we try to rank well for search engine, but we are not a search engine ourselves okay. for a lot because, uh, it's just very, very, we're not able, you're not able to do what Google does. So why bother? <laughs> yeah. So you're just feeding their, their search engine yep. and why an article? Because it's the easiest way for someone to, 
to take in the information. If someone has a pro- legal problem, they want to read about it. They usually won't be listening to a podcast about it, mm. I think. Uh, so they have a problem. It goes direct. The search intention is very clear. Yeah. So they, yeah. So they, so that's why we did articles. Sorry. What's your second question? Uh, how was the, I guess, the, the first instance of you guys approaching, let's say, a law firm to oh, pitch oh, them right, right, right. service? Yeah. Right. So the process is pretty simple. Our process is pretty simple. You just uh, email the firm and maybe, maybe they don't reply and then you call the firm and then maybe they are like uh, not in. Yeah. And... Uh, Dodging you guys. <laughs> and uh, maybe they're not, but uh, well, but then it's just like after you do it for a while, um then something happens <laughs> was it like a could you could you paint me a picture was it like a constant push to 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 um to, to pitch them this particular service or was the response from them was it very well received right from the get-go Nah, i mean of course most of the time is like people just ignoring you sure. because uh either not in or they just don't reply their emails yep. and then yeah that's normal so then you get people who are not interested in what I'm, I'm selling. Yeah. Uh, maybe because uh, they like it requires a certain kind of mindset. It requires luck. Well, actually, it requires luck. You need to find that person who, who wants to grow their business too. Because if the person is really successful already as a lawyer, he's not gonna bother with like trying out your stuff. At least that's the mindset I felt like. They're not willing to try because they are comfortable. They yeah. have enough money, and then what you can promise them or at least I can promise I, I don't think I was a very good salesman mm. uh, what I could promise them was just like oh no you, you get like more views you get more like a traffic yeah you get some traffic yep. you have a bigger presence online these things are like uh, I don't think I even promised them like leads mm. so these things are like not not say very uh, like to them it's like oh I could do with it or I could do without it yeah and then uh, but there are some lawyers who at that time, I guess, were just like, oh, I, I knew I want to grow my business too. Hey, so I'll, I'll try it out. Then that's when like, okay, like you, you have something going on. Yeah. Then they were willing to pay for some advertising. So, so the initial start of your clientele, uh, would it be uh, accurate to say it was like smaller entities? In fact, now they are still smaller entities because uh, people who like have queries online generally are the those who are more suited for smaller law firms because By if, small you, what size are we talking about we're talking about maybe five to ten lawyers five okay. to ten lawyers ten okay. lawyers because the bigger i mean there's a big four law firm in singapore around there they're like a few hundred hundreds of lawyers it's so good to know i didn't know that <laughs> yeah so occasionally you see like a big case in the papers they'll have some uh they have some big name lawyer representing them okay. and usually those have like a big teams of people in the law firms so for those uh their clientele usually is like rich people and the uh, big companies and these people usually have their own ways of finding lawyers whether it's by recommendations or whether it's like uh um by networking yep. or just re- yeah interesting yeah. i'm very curious to know your thoughts on this um it, it, it's it's a very big tangent but is does this money or the sum of money that you put in determine the outcome of the case. What I mean by that is that if if the, if if the more money you have, does it mean that you get a better lawyer? Does it work like that? Yeah. Okay. I well, actually, 
I don't have first-hand knowledge of it. Glad to say I don't have first-hand knowledge yeah. of it. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know your opinion because you have, you're have kind of like an insider to me. Like you, you have been through definitely a lot more law-adjacent uh, material than me. So I'm just very curious to know, does it function like that? Um, I, I, I can't say yes directly to it. Okay. It just, I can just illustrate that, for example, if, if you have a claim against someone, mm. let's say it's like, uh, $20,000. Sure. Right. It's actually, uh, like neither here nor there for legal fees. It's like, uh, neither. So it's a bit too low? Yeah. It's, it's a bit too low okay. and it's a bit too high for a small claims tribunal. Yeah. So, I mean, smoking travel by right, you could get 20K, but there are certain conditions and all that. So, okay, so let's say 30K, 30K. Yep. You have, you have a claim for 30K and you want to get a lawyer about it, uh, for it. And then a lawyer tells you, you know, I'm going to just going to charge you like almost like $5,000 maybe yep. just for like the first stage of stuff. Then after it goes on. So like you're talking about maybe $10,000. Yep. Yeah. If it, if it really goes to court. So you can imagine that there is not a lot of incentive for both sides to actually uh like go to court is it like a last measure kind of thing uh i think so i think you you have to be clear like what kind when you say like does more money help your case mm. uh what kind of case are you talking about maybe i'm talking about criminal case like uh like uh if the police is charging you for something it yep. can, having more money yep. helps you yeah i think it might help you. Why not? I mean, a, it might get you a better lawyer. A better lawyer argue might, for your case might Does it work like that? A better lawyer might might get you better arguments, and that that makes it harder for the prosecution to like, and uh, yeah, he may come up with a better argument. Uh, that the prose- makes it harder for the prosecution to deal with. Interesting. Uh, but but then again. Who is a better lawyer is is like a subjective. very very subjective. It's just that if you have a like a top rate lawyer, then mm. obviously he's not going to come alone. He's going to have a whole team of yes. people who's going to be doing research and mm. then like trying to be as comprehensive as possible for his reputation's sake. And then and then well, hopefully at the end of it you get a better result. <laughs> I think <laughs> it works that way. I think it works that way. I can't very, be entirely sure. Very interesting. Um, what about today for Singapore legal advice? Um. How has the business grown over how how long has it been? About five years, I think. Okay. How's how has it grown over the past five years? Uh mainly we've grown a lot in uh, traffic actually. Uh traffic in terms of the the publicity that we're able to give the lawyers as well. Uh in terms of the people who have managed to find a satisfactory solution to what they want. And in terms of the breadth of services that we're offering. So mm. as I mentioned just now, we started with just like getting a quotation from a lawyer and then we added like phone consultation with lawyer and then we added a uh, DIY wheelmaker. And then after that, we start start selling like contract templates. Yep. So these are, these how we developed. And I think we're still SME, but uh, like uh, I think we're quite conscious that it's better to do like something well as a small team than to just like, just keep growing for the sake of growing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a conscious decision to keep the team small at this particular point in time. I guess while growing, is it uh, horizontal? While trying, while try, let's say trying to make the website more popular and stuff. Yeah. We try to make it such that uh, it's still, you know, we're not, I don't know how to explain it. It's a conscious decision. 
I guess in a way that means that we're not thinking as hard about, okay, do we need more people for this, more people for that, but more of like, okay, how, how can we do this in a better way? Yeah. Yeah. Was the decision to get on Instagram and to post the, the type of content you do on Instagram, was it a particular type of strategy? Because until my friend linked me one of, I guess, one of your posts, I have never considered uh, Instagram to be a platform for sound legal advice. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Was, was it who who came up with that, that particular idea and said, oh, why not do Instagram? Because I would imagine articles, yes. The next transition from articles could be, I guess, videos. Uh, yeah, I would imagine videos more, but definitely not Instagram and, and the way that you guys do it, which which is more, um, is very graphic savvy. It's very uh, informatic. I think we started Instagram as, uh, for fun. Okay. Yeah. Really for fun because I think it's really hard to make money off Instagram. Okay. Um, because Instagram is already showing the ads. So you or the influencers, you're left like scrambling for, I don't know, whichever yep. influencer. And we don't really have much like, and our angle as well. Like we talk about the law, come on, like can't sell t-shirts. <laughs> you guys have a lot of emojis. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't like sell t-shirts or like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, like it's, it's a different product. Yeah. yeah, so we're still struggling with that actually. Like we don't, uh, yeah, so we don't really find uh, much monetization there. Yep. And- uh, what, what do you get out of it though? If not money? Um, I don't know, swag? <laughs> no, okay. we, we online uh, cloud. Eh? <laughs> online cloud, and, and then also, I mean, there's always because there's always a fear, right? Because uh, we started out as a article resource, yes, and then you're afraid that okay, people are moving to social media, and yep. and obviously less emphasis is placed on articles and blogs and stuff, and then you're afraid like oh, you're going to left in the dust. You know, people are on social media and you're not there. The landscape is changing. The landscape is definitely yeah. changing, and then uh, if you see like how uh, people are more people are on Instagram and you asked how we got onto it. Okay. So this is experimentation because we, at the start, we were just posting, uh, you know, lame stuff that other people post. Like, uh, you know, people, companies that have Instagram tend to like to post things about themselves. About so the brand and about the company itself. So at one point in time, I don't know why, uh, let's say you have a company, you'll be posting like maybe your products or somewhere else let's say on Facebook or whatever you're running ads and Instagram, like the thing is a place where you are personal. Like people think of you mm. as a person. So if you go to a law firm's Instagram page, what they'll be posting is like the law firm having a team lunch. Law firms have, have Instagram these days. Um, so I think so. <laughs> I think so. But they'll be posting more of things yeah. like uh, their own own stuff. Yes. But it turns out that nobody was really interested in that. Yep. And uh, so we, tr we tried like putting stuff about like information instead and then we tried uh memes yep and then we tried uh yeah so after a while like this tone stuck and i think the and just to disclaimer actually my team does the instagram post i don't really do that because mm. i think um yeah you 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 need a certain kind of uh tone to do it yep, yep. and what uh distinguishes and if you look at the new wave of instagram accounts now uh, you have uh, like Instagram accounts that have longer captions. Mm. And, and I think that is, uh, that's actually an innovation that's only just come about uh, recent years. Yeah. Because 
previously you were influencer you just like posted nice pictures and people yeah. liked you and then you just get more and more followers that traction way. that way yes. yeah but now it's more like a magazine style where mm. you actually need to have a person like personality like each post you have a long caption and at some point we started doing that like instead of just having like a one slide two slide we in a caption we actually explain some of the legal legal terms and all that yep and somehow that made people uh curious or relate to you more and i see that as a trend i don't know if you are interested in starting starting instagram account i think it's it's very interesting because i will perceive it to be more uh as i said more informatic like when i read your captions i don't think of it as long but it I think there's an upward trend of content these days having to give something back to the person consuming it. Yes. So I I can definitely agree with you with with the with the trend of not just posting like a picture, not yeah. just posting let's say some flaccid caption, but I think there's a trend where brands, influencers, whoever the the type of content that they post has to have a deeper meaning. Yeah. Deeper meaning could be through the form of information and that gives value back to the consumer. So I think there is this particular trend. Yeah. Uh these last couple of years and perhaps a year or two more. Yeah, and um I know you interviewed Book Salary Man. Yes. So I think um fantastic when I saw their account, yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought like they are they are doing a fantastic job on Instagram. Like yeah. I saw the stuff that they did. It's really next level. Yeah. Uh, I thought I wanted to be like that too, but then the challenge is, of course, that law is not exactly like personal finance in 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 that sense yet. So it's just trying to find like a a kind of community. Mm. Yeah, we are, I I don't know. Maybe we'll continue like this in a sense that uh we are is more of a top down, like we are more of dispensing information, whereas for personal finance, I guess there is a lot more participation involved. Like we would definitely like a bit more participation, but we we are still figuring out. Okay, so where can people participate uh, on our Instagram yep. platform? I yeah. actually can't imagine uh, Singapore legal advice adopting like a tone of voice uh, similar to the works I remember. Because before I came across that stuff, um, I've never considered, I've never even thought of the idea that you could package simple. Uh, simple lessons about finance that way. I've never thought about it. Like, like oh. a very simple comic format that is uh, very colloquial, yeah. very digestible, really. And yeah. there is a very impactful message, even for some of them where it goes into more abstract ideas. Yeah. So I can I can definitely imagine um, law adopting or adopting that that veneer of, uh, I guess, a bit of a smart ass or a bit <laughs> of a... Just, just very relaxed. Uh, yeah. I think the, I think the tone of voice. I, I, I would love to see that from com- coming from you guys. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, because it is. As I say it goes back to the to the the the, the comedy and the style. Let's say for for work salary, it draws the participation in for people and it gives value back. You oh. when, when you go through it and you read it, it's like okay. It is. It's just whatever your parents tell you, but repackaged. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would love to see you. You guys do that in the future. I think it's definitely possible. I can see it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So um, with regards to the social media, has there been any particular backlash for the post that you've done? I'm just personally curious because I got all the boring stuff all the way. Next thirty minutes, it's more about abstract things about law, about morality, about social media. So yeah, has there been any backlash? With regards to the post that you guys have done, 
uh, I think you have asked my team about that. Okay. Because they manage the comment section more. Yeah. Uh, so far, I think it's been fine. Like, uh, we can, you can always, uh, ignore the more, like, not constructive comments. And then there will still be like good comments that, that you could reply and then build, build upon them. Our, I think one of us, one of our first posts that, that had some traction was actually about the pride, uh, ping dot, ping dot, I think, but that was like one, one or two years back. Oh, okay. What, yeah. what about it? Do you remember? Because, uh, we generally post about like, if you are LGBT in Singapore, then what kind of, uh, what kind of like legal difference is there? What, what's the, what kind of maybe some kind of obstacles that you face or some common concerns that they might have and that, and then people liked it. So I guess maybe the LGBT people liked it. And that was one of our first, uh, posts that had some traction. Yep. They saw that, and you saw, oh, okay, this Instagram thing actually might, might work. People might actually like this on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. So going, going back to what I initially said about law, what I realized that the funny thing about it is that unless you come across it in a legal way, you kind of not know what laws are around as an average citizen, because there is no big book that someone will give you when you turn 21 and say, these are the laws in Singapore you have to abide to. There is no, <laughs> I've always, I always, I always had this weird thought that, so you're telling me that there are these invisible laws that I have to adhere to, but I don't even know what they are. Yeah, because un unless someone serves you a notice or you did something quote unquote wrong and maybe the police come for you, you don't pay your rent, the, the landlord comes for you. I guess you don't really know what laws there are. You don't really know what you well, are. Well, you, you do if you go and rent a house, if you rent outside, like Book Salary Man recommended. Mm. And uh, yeah, so if you rent a house, there's a uh, rent a room even, I think that's your first contact with the law. Cause like- Contract? First, first contact to the law because you, there will be a tenancy agreement. Mm. Then you're trying to find out like what are your rights and all that. That's possibly the first one. And then like when people buy a house, I think. Yep. And then uh, get married. Yep. And uh, make a will, and uh, hopefully don't divorce like there. Yep. So I think these are the main touch points that people have. Uh, like they have some experience with the law. Other than that, uh, well, actually elections, right? Now elections, so that, that came up a lot. What, what about it? Laws. Like, then people start thinking, oh, what, what's the constitution of Singapore? Yeah. What is like, what, what is this rule all about? What is Pofba and all these things? Yep. Yeah. So I think elections was, a was one time when people started asking these questions, like, what laws do we have? Uh, yeah, I guess in Singapore, we're pretty lucky because you're local. Uh, by locals and then there's less that you have to deal with what do you mean by less you have to deal with because you're not dealing with like immigration yeah mm. that's that's one big part of law um other than that oh yeah business oh yeah so if, if you run a business then that's like setting up a company and, and all that do you think it would be, it, it would be beneficial for i would say teenagers to at least get an introductory lesson to some of the basic, uh, I won't say principles, but basic uh, fundamental laws into, as you go into, let's say your next phase after, into tertiary education, instead of 
exposing them to it once they get onto the workforce or they have to, let's say, buy a house or they have to rent an agreement. Do you think something like that might be beneficial? Yeah. At a possibly. younger age, lah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, possibly. So I think we're doing that through Instagram now. <laughs> <laughs> because it shows that it's something that they are interested in. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what to put in the curriculum. Like what's more important for them at the point is, um, yeah, it's hard to figure out. But now kind of with Instagram, you kind of see what uh, the young people are, are interested in. I think right now they're interested in social issues more. Social like, issues. Yeah. So like maybe Black Lives Matter, that mm. kind. Like, So what are Singapore's laws regarding like uh, racism and all that? Rather than the more practical things like mm-hmm. uh, buying a house and yeah. all that, I think most people might just uh, leave it till then. Yeah. But well, maybe if they maybe starting a company, maybe a good example. Yep. I'm I'm not sure how many people know about uh you know how a basic company structure is. Do you know? So like Please you know, bo- <laughs> so you know like a company is like uh consists of um shareholders mm. board of directors yep. and then you have a company secretary that mm. that does the filing of the company so, so that's the basic la. so you know so yeah so, so I'm, people just, already I'm just know. nodding in agreement <laughs> I kind of know that <laughs> okay okay yeah so share, shares and all that so it, it goes a lot well actually in the end maybe it ties in with personal finance as well la. Mm. but then should we teach personal finance more than like personal finance and then uh Maybe you should teach more about nutrition as well. Maybe you should teach more about relationships as well. Interesting. That's like, these are all life skills. I think things that, um, what you learn from hard knocks and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so, so your argument would be that it is better to learn through experience as opposed to, I guess, theoretical in, in a classroom setting? Yeah, I think so. Like classrooms, um, yeah, maybe we should go check Instagram, like what people are actually interested in. Mm. But it's more of like, because we, when we post Instagram, I think we try and make things like current as well. So that people are interested in them. So maybe that's the way to teach them. I mean, the, the things that you teach have to be current as well, to be interesting to the students. Yeah. Yeah, that's an idea. Maybe, I think th- there was already some talk of doing it, like some law kind of module really? for for schools. Well, there was some talk of it. I don't know whether. Interesting. I think, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a very good point that you brought up that I guess you have to experience it to kind of get a knowledge of it. But I guess. Or should it be? I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be that way. Mm. For example, nutrition, uh, relationships, uh, I law. guess basic finance. Pers- yeah, finance. finance. Yeah, I think that is something uh, I only got to know of early 20s, really. And it, one might argue that might be too late. I don't know. Is, is it the role of the parent? Is it the role of the state to teach you these things? <laughs> like it, that is the really the, 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 the fundamental question, really. Well, maybe you should be a lawyer, man. I mean, if you have these questions. <laughs> no, because some of the modules they uh, they teach are more philosophical. Only just one, one or two. Because I mean, at the end of it, law is, there is a very, there is a philosophical angle to it as well. What, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, what, what should the law be? What's the role mm. of a lawyer? I mean, the sim- the simplest one is just like, if you see your client doing something that's not right, what's your role as a lawyer? Do you help him? I mean, do you do you help him to the best of your abilities yep. or do you say, no, you don't want to do it, yep. that kind of thing? Yep. I personally never faced it, but they did talk a bit about it uh, as 
part of one of the modules. Yeah, I think what was the most interesting thing about lawyers that I realized, I think, way back when was that there are lawyers defending, I guess, a criminal on trial. And I think that was particularly interesting because when I think of law law and lawyers in general, it's always this good and bad. Uh, <laughs> it's always this good and bad, uh, I guess, quote-unquote battle because of the media, of how they portray certain characters. So when there is a lawyer who is supposed to be, quote-unquote, good, defending the criminal, I think that's a re- that, that, that gives a very interesting picture and that challenges... I think this was uh, primarily U.S. media. And I think, I don't know if it's the constitution that you are innocent until proven guilty. Is, is that is that considered the uh, That's the approach, but mm. I'm not sure whether it's part of the constitution. Okay. That's the, the approach of a system, the way they design it is uh, that innocent until proven guilty. Uh, system, they design a system. Interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I can't. Well, I would say that, but then again, Black Lives Matter. I mean, there were so many like police brutality and all that. Yep. I'm not sure how how that actually works now. What about the Singapore method of of I guess the the, the system? Could could you elaborate a little bit on that? Do you know? I'm not enough, not in enough detail to be able to explain it. I think I just know that in Singapore there was a case that just says that if you remain silent. Uh, your silence might be used against you. Uh, might be adverse inference. Adverse inference. What does that mean? Uh, you know, in US, the the all the shows they say you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> yeah, the Miranda and, rights thing. Or and by right, the the judges, uh, or rather, by at the end, they're not supposed to uh, like infer anything against you. Like it's not supposed to be against your interest to remain silent. They can't say that you know because you remain silent, it is like. Tilting towards you being guilty and so all that. So implicit like, because you remain silent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it could. Okay. I, I think it's like that. Uh, for Singapore, I think it's just a more pragmatic approach. That means like, oh, if you keep silent, yeah, maybe you... you, you uh. Oh, wow. Of course, it's not that... It's not. Of course, it's not that straightforward. You know how judges like... Cases, I don't know. Case, <laughs> oh, okay, you don't know. But <laughs> you know when they write the judgments, it's, it's just like, it could be this, it could be that. It's just like, uh, it could be many things. Oh, interesting. So they analyze a lot of different things. And as a law student, one of the things is you have to read all these uh, judgments and see the arguments that they use. And then like in your own papers, maybe you use those arguments to say it, this should be a certain outcome or that outcome in in advising someone. Does Singapore employ like a jury system? No. So, so that was abolished. To, oh, abolished. Yeah. So it was. So I guess to, to the best of your knowledge, in the current system, it's just too... Uh, two sides of lawyers arguing. Yeah, two sets of lawyers arguing before a judge. That's but there are different levels of court. Yeah, but essentially, two sets of lawyers arguing before a judge. That doesn't sound too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what is that's what they put in the show as well. Oh yeah, so U.S. shows have juries. Yeah, yes. and you will. I guess you will. You will get the, the the witness to do an emotional. I don't know, testimony, then the jury will cry, then you will break for recess and stuff oh, like that. So yeah, as I say, yeah. my, my average perception of law is very, very colored by media. Yeah. So I think Lee Kuan Yew as well who said he explicitly didn't like that. He didn't like the jury system. He didn't like the jury system because they could be colored by emotion. Yeah. And I guess all sorts of biases that you're not even prone to, I would imagine. Yes. But I think even for US, it's not, not everything is a jury. Like at a certain point, you reach a jury system. Yep. 
but not every like application, every part of the process is, is the jury system. And even the jury system, the judge decides the, like he frames the issue. Interesting. He, what do you mean by he frames the issue? I mean, he, he has to ask the question to the jury. He, like the question to the jury, I think is like, yes or no. But what is the question? Like, is he guilty charged with this or, you know, uh, it's, it's the judge that does that. Interesting. Um, you mentioned that Singapore is, uh, is pragmatic. Does yeah. it mean that the laws employ a certain sense of pragmatism to it as well? The laws apply. Because well, I would imagine the laws like in Singapore is different from the laws in, let's say, Hong Kong, the laws in Taiwan, and the laws in the yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all different in that sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eh, wow, I'm not sure I know enough about like <laughs> the, the the like I mean there was a, there is a there is a how to say that there, there is a there was a module in, in law school. I mean so long ago. There's a module in law school that talked about comparing legal systems. And, but the way they did it wasn't so strictly like, you know, this law says this, that law says that. It's mm. more like uh you compare that in Singapore, for example, property law, you have because Singapore is so small. Uh, the laws are pretty clear on things like you can expect them to work whereas for property law in other countries uh, they might not work you don't know who owns a certain building for example mm. they don't have as straightforward a registration system and so uh, there are certain differences in this way uh, you can talk about i guess uh, pragmatic mm, no i can't think of pragmatic I'm sure there are a lot, but I can't think of it at the moment. Would you, would you have a better word for it off the top of your head if it's not pragmatism? Mm. I can't give you certain examples, like differences. Uh, let's say Singapore doesn't really have a law on like uh, racism in renting, for example. Renting? Yeah, yeah, in rent, renting, renting out, online, renting oh. rooms, renting a house. Oh, renting. Okay, Sorry, okay, renting. Okay. Yeah, okay. renting. Yeah, renting a room. Uh, okay. I mean, in other countries, you have things like uh, you can't discriminate against people when renting. You explicitly you can't discriminate people. Ex you can't explicitly do that, mm. and sometimes indirectly they will say you can't do that as well. Yeah, but for Singapore, there is like no really strict rule against it uh, mainly because maybe it doesn't affect the bottom line mm. it's something that doesn't like right it does it doesn't affect the country's bottom line or the economy as much yep. so there there isn't much development there in terms of uh, employment rights probably singapore doesn't have much of that as well you doesn't have much meaning it's not compared compared to other countries compared to maybe europe or yeah that kind okay it com comparatively is it like speaking. a population size thing or just populous kind of thing uh, i i don't know why it's like that but okay. it's not as developed so for example in other countries maybe you have a term called employment lawyer right what's that so a, a lawyer who specializes in employment laws because there are laws that protect because there's so much maybe there's because there's so many so much of the law that protects employees that yeah. that uh you have lawyers that specialize in this yep. and maybe they make a living off it but so it's a lot more nuanced la. like you can have employment and you can have fragment into all the different uh it's just more complex more complex there's well there's more law there so there's more lawyers there yep, yep. Right? in singapore you don't have uh as much employment law 
So you don't have, I don't think you'll be able to find a full-time employment lawyer. Interesting. So you have corporate lawyers that do employment law. Of course, they'll be able to advise you on contracts, on, on things like that, but they wouldn't do like exclusively employment law. Yeah, so these are like the subtle like differences. I'm just curious, are there particular uh, categories of lawyers that are more successful than others in Singapore? What do you mean by successful? Like there are more cases, uh, there are more, just just more traction in general. More successful meaning more, I guess, more money because more cases. Uh, yeah. I mean, my guess is that the most, like if you talk about money, yeah, I think the most successful ones are probably uh, business? Those that deal with businesses, definitely. So whether it's like doing deals for businesses or going to court for businesses, you just have the biggest clients and therefore you get paid the most. Fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have a next question. Um, who decides the law in Singapore? Because I really don't know. Do Seriously. You, I, I mean, I the know. elections just came past. Yeah, but yes, <laughs> you can, you can, as I said, you can see the facade of the election, but when I think about who creates it, is it, the, the parliament and the government, they come together, they go down a list of, I guess, laws, then they want to implement, then they take out. Because I think the, the, the follow-up to that question would be, should there be a certain sense of morality in the law? And if yes, is that morality pegged to something else? Who, because I said, who decides it? Who decides it? Yeah. So I guess for Singapore, um, who decides it? And next question is, uh, should there be any sense of morality packed to it? Yeah. Uh, but I think the, so parliament writes, the, parliament approves the laws. Okay. Yeah. Usually I think it's for Singapore's case, the government is the one that comes out with most of the laws. So a particular government ministry, uh, like if your, I think it works like your government ministry <laughs> Um, wants to do something, so it needs a certain set of laws. So they will put the, they will come out with the laws and then they will put it before parliament and then parliament will vote on it. Will, will, I think there's a first reading, a second reading, and oh. then they'll vote on it. And if it goes through, then it becomes a law. Yeah. Yeah. So this is it. So, I mean, rinse, so, repeat, rinse, repeat. La. So this yeah. is kind of like the system they have in Singapore. Yeah. So the government is supposed to be responsive to the needs. Uh, policy needs and so they come up with the laws and then uh, it will pass through parliament. I mean, I think there are cases of MPs who have come up with laws in the past mm. uh, but these are exceptions. I think like very few and far between. Mostly the government comes so up mostly with. mostly it's like a, I would imagine like a top-down thing. La. So the top being the government coming up, let's say a law about, I don't know, walking dogs or something. Yeah, yeah. And then they so, would just go down and they would just vote on it. Yeah. First reading, second reading. And I guess after X amount of time, the law will get passed. Yeah. People can walk their dogs. Something like that. Yes. If they walk their dogs, they go, they get a fine or something like oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This should, should, should there be a democratic process where the citizens are able to vote on certain laws taking place? Not just for an MP to represent? Or is the system we employ that we, yeah. we get the MP we want and the MP would bring the law to the government? Uh, yeah, you it's, it's possible. I mean, it's... I think people have shown... Certain MPs have shown in the past that you, you can actually come up with your own laws mm. 
and then put them before parliament and then get the parliament to vote on it. Uh, but that's like, uh, they have to, I think it's probably a lot of work for them. Yeah. And not many have done it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So if, if you want to petition an MP to go and do something, yeah, I, I'm just curious whether he would, he would actually try. I, I think because, um, with the internet, then with social media these days, I think what comes to mind recently, it's the, the repealing of the 377A thing. Oh. I think there was a lot of online uh, dialogue and conversation about repealing that particular, I guess, law. Yeah. And I think I was reading up on it prior that uh, it was, I think it was, it, I think it went to court or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it went, it to, went court. to court. Um, but in the end, it didn't get repealed. And because I think one of the, uh, do correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the 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 reasons cited was that is it some something to do with morality? Something to do with uh, yeah. Well, it was a very weird reason that it, it wasn't repealed, even though that there is uh, I guess an online petition for it. So I, I think it, it goes back to the question of let's say how how many people should want this law before this law should be implemented, or should, is there no such channels? How many people want this law? Currently, I don't think there are such channels. It's okay. just, I mean, theoretically, theoretically speaking, uh, we voted our MPs, mm. and uh, they are supposed to represent you in parliament. Oh. So if if you say no, then he should say no. But I mean, in reality, doesn't. I'm not sure it works that way, lah. But that's how it's supposed to work, lah. And if enough people disapprove of it. Then the MP is like, of course, he wants to get reelected, right? So yep. he, he listens to the people and he votes in the way that people want. So this is the, I guess this is the, the system that Singapore employs. Uh, we have to vote democratically for a representative that kind of encompasses our wants. Yeah. Brings it to parliament and they argue for it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in certain cases, I think that. Um, the part, the government can ask for a referendum. What's a referendum? Is is where everybody votes. Oh, but uh, I I don't think it has happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think the only one I know is the Brexit one. Yeah, yeah. That's so a they, have, they have a referendum. They have a referendum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like uh, you could. Yeah, so in Singapore, I suppose they could do that if they really wanted to. If they really, really wanted to for but any I, particular I, I wouldn't, thing. I can't imagine why they want to do that, given the approach so far. Mm, I guess I guess I've always associated a law with a certain sense of power in a very abstract sense. Because laws are akin to rules. And rules, as any 16-year-old kid would know, rules are there to be followed to a certain degree. And I think very interestingly... um. When I was thinking about what to talk about for this particular podcast, um, I remember people telling me that Singapore is largely like a very fine, heavy, intensive country. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's it's, it's like you, you don't have to look far even today that there, if you do something out of line, you will get a certain uh, penalty. Penalty in the form of uh, paying money. Like recently, even for the COVID thing, like if you don't, if you are quote unquote caught. Uh, not wearing your mask outside, I think it's like a $300 fine. Yeah. So I think the question I have for you, knowing that growing up in Singapore, um, do you think that affects the way the citizens would first perceive the law 
or any form of authority in that sense. And I think second, do you think it will hinder our is it democracy? Do you think it will hinder our our personal identity in that sense? Well, that's really deep. I mean personal identity. Now I just I'll just tackle the first part first. Uh yeah, of course. But uh I mean Singapore the culture is really known like you follow the law. You it's, come again? You follow you kind of follow the law. Yep. Yeah, so that that's like the I think that's a very Singaporean thing mm. that you expect there to be a law for like everything. Yeah. Has it have we been conditioned by the law? Yeah, maybe yeah. hard to say. Debatable. Maybe yeah, I mean maybe yeah. our parents like maybe our parents like uh were the ones who who made us that way or they and then somebody like they Hammer were like it that, hammered <laughs> into them as well. Yeah. Yeah, so there is a law. For example, in Singapore, you can't you can't buy alcohol after ten thirty, right? Yeah, that was quite recent. I think over the past decade, yeah, just implemented so, it. Yeah. So you just keep implementing more and more of of these laws, lah. Yeah. Uh, if they keep doing this, uh, nobody knows what happened. Like, after a while, people just get confused, and then they just uh, they're just like, oh, maybe like you you can't really tell what's <laughs> what's gonna get you in trouble anymore, lah. But we say, has it created a culture? I don't know. Does it go back to what the chicken or the egg? Which came first? Mm. So we we I guess we could agree that it it might have created a culture. But I guess the next question would be um, would is it is it insane to think that laws should evolve over time? No, oh, it's not insane. It's definitely normal. Okay, but since it's a top down approach, right? So how do we get? The, the people at the top to to listen is it just through that same system of uh, the MPs in the parliament or I guess do we use social media I don't know I think what we are, are thoughts on I it? think we're finding out mm. yeah and I, I suppose you're thinking about it in terms of 377A like what what does it take to change someone's to I change think, I think that's, that's one of the more recent ones that comes to mind because I think as I said um, one of the reasons cited was uh, something to do with morality yeah, which is very questionable because whose morality are we talking about? Are we talking about a particular set of people, and which which ties back to the entire question about who gets to decide uh, what should be uh, constitutional in one country or one particular place where it affects certain certain set of people? Yeah. So the constitution was already written like last time, mm. so it's up to a court to interpret it. Mm. And yeah, so it's up to them to inter- interpret it as to whether it is like, I guess, taking into account the current scenarios and all that. Yep. But I suppose they, they would rather leave it to parliament because like, by right, we elected the MP, so yep. they should be able to change the law and all that. Yep. Uh, so law should evolve as society uh, goes to, to, to different stages. La. Yeah, it has to. It has to. Yeah, it has to. Interesting. Because um, with regards to 377, I think I was reading on Reddit <laughs> that uh, I think recently in the US, I think the Supreme Court uh, expanded, I think because they have the Constitution in America. And yes, it's an interpretation of the word. And I think particular social movements such as uh, LGBT plus rights, yeah. I think they expanded that particular definition of the word sex in America. So I think... That, that that means that there is an expansion of transgender people rights 
okay. in America, which is quite interesting because when we think about uh, evolving with society, when we think about uh, social change, I think a lot of people will point to let's say countries like Taiwan, and I think they will, mm. they will draw the comparison as if and and uh, a- a- Asian Chinese centric societies such as Taiwan, if they can have such progressive laws, why can't Singapore have it? Uh, Do you have any thoughts about those types of conversation? Why can't Singapore have it? Well, because some people don't want it, I guess. Mm. Uh, and uh, okay, this is a more mundane example, right? Uh, of ever evolving of the times is uh, maybe women's charter. Yep. Because in, in the past, uh, I think you, so a man is the one paying maintenance to the woman. In, 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 in the, divorce or? in, in a, it's just in terms of maintenance. Okay. Yeah. And there is no provision for the opposite. Like women a woman, paying woman paying to a man. And I think even now the government was, uh, hesitating. And I think now it didn't even get passed. Now it's like, it's kind of like awkward in between where, <laughs> where like a woman can pay a man maintenance, can be ordered to pay maintenance mm. if like the guy is like handicapped and, and all that. Oh, wow. So it's not even a like equal, equal kind yeah. of thing, which I thought would be easy enough to do. But it's a very logical thing. Yeah, it's logical. Yeah, yeah you just, just make it. But you know that I don't know what's the consideration there, but in, it's still not like, um, that just directly equal. Yeah, I would imagine from a top-down perspective, there will be a lot of apprehension to changing. Let's say even something like that. Yeah, because I think the fear would be like it might dis- disproportionately affect people because people are not perfect, perfectly fit into different categories. They fall through the cracks. Yeah, different nuances. And I guess if I would imagine one of the fears for even changing something as simple as that, even though it may seem logical, it's like people would just fall out. Lor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so that's one of the examples of of like they the need to evolve la, with with the times lah. Yeah, that's a I think that's a clearer example because that I mean it's more economic in nature I guess like yep. last time maybe the guys was the one bring home the bacon yep. Yep. yeah but times have changed la. yes so would it be suffice to say that law in general is a constant work in progress it is not fixed in like a stone tablet like back in the Bible times. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not fixed. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe you should really go and do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, these are things that they go, can be discussed. Part time, go ah, go part time. Really go part time. Yeah, go part time. But just that if you want to be a lawyer and it's a part time degree, then I think it's just really tough lah. No, I learn for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's uh, I think it's not easy. That means like you have to study at night lah and no. and write a lot. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I'm particularly curious on your thoughts about the future of law. So we can, we agree that it should evolve, but with the future comes technology. Yeah. And okay, I, w- I, w- I would say that technology is already here. Yeah. I had this previous conversation with someone on the podcast about uh, self-driving cars. Yeah. So let's say self-driving cars, it is programmed by artificial intelligence, yeah. which is programmed by the coder. Yeah. So if the car were to get into an accident, whose fault is it? Is it the fault of the the car manufacturer? Yeah. Is it the fault of the programmer? Is it the driver? Because is it the the liability of the person who got injured? Yeah. What are your thoughts on these uh, types of scenarios moving forward five to ten years into the future? Because this is just one out of a web of scenarios that might happen as technology progresses. 
I don't know, my unpopular opinion right now is nobody knows and nobody cares. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because it's... Would you happen to know why? Because... This is my opinion. Because uh, until it happens, nobody knows how to... Like, nobody has the incentive to actually think about it. And why would you do that until it happens? Why would you, like, waste resources to try and predict the future? Mm. It's not... Like, it's not action. It's not happening. Mm. Unless... Like, let's say you're doing like self, maybe self-driving, you're already doing self-driving tests, mm. maybe in Singapore or whatever. Then, yeah, then maybe you have a bit of debate about it, but you still think that, you know, it's not going to happen. Like if, if you allow, uh, if you allow these self-driving cars, then you've got to be able to say that they're not going to cause like yep. accidents. You have to prove it. Uh, yeah, you prove it. Not, yeah, yeah, you can't be saying that, oh, if you cause an accident, then you we will find the... The, the liability is on the, the person. The liability is on the person and all that. You can't say that before because you, you want to tell people that it's safe on the road. And then, okay, the, when it turns out it's not safe, then, okay, then people have to decide like what happens. I think that's how it evolves. And... At first, I thought when you were asking me about law, I thought you were asking about like software and all that. Mm. Um, I think it's more like uh, law is really one of the slowest to um, to react. What do you mean? To sorry, the slowest to take up technology. Um. <laughs> so all the areas of of uh, of the world, the sectors that is the slowest to take up technology. I feel to adopt it to adopt it yes because uh it's there's no incentive to do it there is less incentive to do it and if there is an incentive it's usually the government that has an incentive so yeah. the government has to start the initiative um does it not like i mean i just think about it in terms of incentives right so if you are you want to sell let's say uh this rug Sure. Okay, you are a seller of rugs. Yep. You want to sell rugs and you want to sell a lot of rugs. And so you want to make more money. Yep. So obviously you would try out like different technologies, different things. Yep. What would like sell you more rugs? Yep. Yeah. But uh, for law is like you are a, you are like trying to limit risk. So mm. the, the idea is not to change until you really have to change. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Until there is a real push. But if you're the government, maybe like, you know, nowadays new technology, I think you've heard of like, about surveillance and all that. Well, adopting tech maybe lets the government like, have more control. Yep. Then in that sense, they have the incentive to actually push things through. But for other sections of law, I think it's like, it's probably slower than like, uh, more commercial stuff. Lah. When you say, how, how do you imagine, uh, law firms when you say slower to adopt technology do you mean the law firms or the laws that get passed down mm, i mean the laws are just laws okay i mean like law firms and legal industry okay how do you imagine like let's say a legal industry adopting technology uh so recently there was a there there's this startup in the UK called uh, Do Not Pay. Do Not Pay? Do Not Pay. So what they do is they automate the writing of appeal letters to government. Like What? 
like uh, you you have a let's say you got a par- parking ticket yeah so you just enter like some information and it will generate the letter of appeal for you to send to the government oh wow yeah so, so, that, so that's, that's how they use AI for that wouldn't that and traditionally you would get a lawyer to write it for you uh, not really it, it's in between you probably won't get a lawyer but you have to write it you would probably write it yourself oh so it saves you the trouble of, and like, I think they've expanded to claiming from airlines, claiming from all these merchants that normally you, you know, tele- telecom companies that like make you wait for a long time yeah, on the phone. Yeah. So they now they have an app that says that, oh, they'll find, they'll find you like the live caller. Like they'll find you the contact. Uh, they will, they help you call until they find an actual agent who is talking to you. Something like that. So is that law? Is that, I'm not sure where that's law, but to me, that's like, wow, that's like innovation. But it's like pushing, I guess, pushing the boundaries a little bit and a little bit. Nah. Yeah. Interesting. I always get the impression that law is lagging behind, which you just affirm. Yeah, la, it is. Because let's talk about social media and I guess the internet space in general. Yeah, yeah. I think we live in a very interesting time. We live in a time where you are shrouded by the anonymity of the internet and you can, I guess, shout or throw your own opinion at people. And there is no... What what are the legalities that come with, let's say, social media and things of that nature? What I mean by that is that there is... Is there a law that protects you or protects someone from a past tweet or a past posting what what how because it, it to, to me the internet or social and social media it's becoming like the wild west it's like let's say if i post something and it's not favorable yeah or it's very offensive to yeah. a group of people i can get a whole slew of let's say uh outrageous comments yeah. comments wishing i was dead and stuff like that and what are I'm very curious to know from your perspective, what are the legal implications for something like that? Because imagine if if it's a physical conversation and you say those to me, I, I guess I can take I can have some legal action to that. I mean like a, if you get punched in the face, then you yes, can <laughs> because it's it, because it's it, it is in the tangible reality. But I guess social media it's kind of different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I can say a comment to you like, oh, I hope you get knocked down by a car. Yeah. Is that liable for an offensive comment? I'm very curious to know. I think there's no direct. Yeah, right. It's like probably lagging. Yeah. And nobody can decide on what's the correct. Nobody uh, can decide. <laughs> what, what's what's the correct like? Uh, how do you define something that is, that is, uh, like, worthy of punishment? Mm. So the way it's been defined is probably like using older laws where you are racist. I think recently they are causing enmity between like different racial yep. groups and all that. Yep. So that's the priority of Singapore, right? To to have racial harmony and and then using those laws they will just like see whether it checks the box la, like whether mm. you're doing that and then whether certain action is taken la. but i suppose uh, yeah it sounds i cannot imagine the like them handling like a large caseload as well la. maybe a lot of the times it's like people just have to suck it up la, i guess I, I think sucking it right. up is one one definitely one way to deal with it but I was reading an article, I think on the Straits Times, uh, I think a couple of weeks back. Yeah. I think a, a, a Twitter user was charged for, I guess, stoking racial tensions. And I guess the Twitter mm. username was Sharon Liu, which is, which is a female. Yeah. But the guy, ch- it, 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 it is a guy who got charged. 
Okay. So it's a guy impersonating a female online, posting very offensive and harmful comments, and he got brought to court. So going back to the example about the 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 self driving car, and it would seem as though the law will always lag behind until something like this gets brought up to I guess state attention. Then something like 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 a law will get passed to to yeah or they down. or they reinterpret uh old law to apply to that case. Interesting. So we must something must happen first. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it's always like that. Reality, I mean law doesn't like exist by itself. It has to be it has to be reacting to real life events. It has to be reacting to real life events. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just guess it's 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 particularly um, uh, how would I say it? It's a very interesting space, la. Like posting things online because I guess I don't know if it's if it's uh prevalent in Singapore, but I guess cancel culture, let's say in America, is very strong. And let's say on Twitter, you can get anonymous individuals like posting death threats, posting I guess doxing is one more thing. Doxing as a address. Yeah. Doxing for, for people who don't know it's uh through digital means they can find out, I guess, where you live, the yeah. IP address and stuff like that. So are there currently do you know if there are legal means to I guess protect oneself against something like that? Yeah, they passed the law on doxing. What what about it? I think you're punished. I can't remember exactly. I think something like doxing is punishable. Mm. Yeah, but then with the internet nowadays, I don't know whether sometimes people who dox you, maybe they're overseas. Definitely, yeah, because the internet's a global thing, isn't it? Yeah, but Singapore's jurisdiction is Singapore. Like, Singapore only, la. so only yeah, if, the, unless if, if the doxer they, is in Singapore, then you can. Yeah, because otherwise it gets really complicated. They have to get the cooperation of the police in the other country and uh, what? To extradite or something like that. Mm. And yeah, that's just really tough to do. And they won't do it unless it's like really big case. Yeah. So what is what is your your personal remedy for for facing this this reality? I don't have one. You don't have one? But I don't I'm not that active on social media. Mm. Yeah. So is there a remedy? I, I don't think that's a remedy. Maybe the remedy is thicker skin. <laughs> nah, you can't say that like yeah, no, no, you can't you can't just be thicker skin. Yeah. Uh maybe it lies in the Platforms. Okay. Yeah, I mean everybody so just. So it could be the jurisdiction, the the jurisdiction of the platforms and the private. Because the platforms definitely can do something about it. Mm. And they are the ones who is benefiting off all this as well. Yep. <laughs> You're like creating free content that makes the platform more valuable. I think it's very interesting. Let's say we take a platform like Twitter. You would imagine that that should be that is like a public space where people can, I guess, talk talk globally exchange yeah, ideas, yeah. but you can get the most ridiculous and the most hateful comments from anonymous individuals who wish harm upon you I was reading this particular thread on Twitter where I guess it goes into copyright so an artist posted something and anonymous artist just said hey that is mine and posted some other thing and they got into like a long Twitter back and forth yeah. and it's like you don't even know this particular artist who's claiming the copyright and I don't know. I think it is just particularly um, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there, there is no right or wrong, really. Yeah, 
Because if you put the the power into the hands of the government to to clamp down things like this, then it's not particularly right as well. Yeah. Mm. So are you active on Twitter? No, I just observe. Oh. Yeah, because I think Twitter, Reddit, uh, I guess Instagram to a certain degree. These are all platforms that I guess people from my generation they use a lot and they get a lot of their news from. So with regards to news and getting information from these platforms, are there, um, are there laws that protect the use of one image, one's image? So let's say, uh, if how would I how would I put this? Like if your face is used by somebody else, somewhere. yeah, because like memes are very common these days, and it's not difficult. And if your face is on the meme. Yeah, I'm just very curious to know, are there, let's say if I found out that an, an anonymous individual is using uh, my particular image yeah. to to do something, uh, could be spread uh, hate, uh, racism, oh, right. or it could just be just a funny meme, Yeah, doing no harm, but there is a certain virality to it. Of course, as an individual, I want my privacy. Uh, and let's say if, if we have a conversation with the individual, the individual doesn't want to take it down. Is that something that can be taken to, let's say, uh, a legal battle in that sense? I'm not sure. I think uh, in Sing- well, in Singapore at least, maybe you can say it's like harassment. Okay. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so can't give legal, we'll can't give legal to, advice. But, we'll uh, still have to be... Uh, put to the the jurisdiction of let's say the law we we yeah. show it to them tell them all these things and then they would decide based on their knowledge as to whether this constitutes as harassment yeah okay and if and usually if it's like the internet then the person is like overseas that's even worse I'm mm. not sure what you can do if it's yeah if it's overseas yeah, but this, this seems like the world we live in now. La. Do you think that people should be accountable to what they put out? Should be accountable to a certain extent? Because I guess people, you can't, you can't be living lives thinking that, you know, every movement is being scrutinized. Every movement? Oh, yeah. every, every movement, every expression is being scrutinized. Yep. That is... Uh, dystopian fiction. Yeah, that's that's very dystopian, right? Yep. You got have some leeway. It can't be everything you say can be used against you all the time. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I believe in that. I believe that there's, there should be some space for, uh, for this course. Like maybe if you are in a private group or maybe there's certain private settings, then maybe it can't be used against you. Mm. Uh, so that's, that might be one way to do it. Yeah. But then again, I guess it also depends on how bad that comment is. Like how, mm. If you say you want to kill somebody and, and then like it's really really makes somebody kill somebody then yeah, I remember. How, no matter how private it is it doesn't excuse it. Definitely. I think I remember uh, a particular into story about I think the Tomas Pauli kid Yeah. that uh, what was it? Do you, do you remember the story? No. Okay. <laughs> this particular kid in Tomas Pauli I think he he posted on Insta stories about I think a particular dream he had about stalking racism killing people and stuff like that he just posted <laughs> wow. it online and I, I don't know if he thought it through 
or he was doing it for something. But I think he got called in. La. I mean, the school then called called in the cops. I think, I think you guys did a very good posting about it. Uh, that he yeah he got brought down by the police though, just because of the end story. Which is, if you think about it, it's quite ridiculous though. <laughs> Ultimately, it is not. First, it's not tangible. Secondly, the fucker might just be ranting. Yeah. Thirdly, whether he's he's mentally sound or it's a different story. But if you think about it, it's just an Insta story and he might have legal implications for it. But it's it, it also brings up very interesting questions. Uh, like, is that his own private space to just rent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's Tomasco Pauli, so I would imagine about 17 to maximum 20, 21. And then I guess like once a lot of people know about it and it's communicated there, then... I guess the police have to be seen as doing something to like nip it in the butt, like in case he, you know, gets more serious. Yeah, but I think in that particular case, it's, I think the word is radical. La. Yeah, it's, yes, you can be edgy la, for all, all you want, la, but if you post something like that, I think it's, it's going too far. <laughs> it's going a little bit too far. So, um, I just want to wrap up this conversation with a, just, I think, two more questions. Um, with regards to freelancing, yeah, do you think that there is just just based on the traction on your website alone? Do you think that there is a lack of knowledge with regards to uh, proper legal protection for freelancers? Would you happen to know? Yeah, pro- probably. Okay, that they could they could probably do with a bit more knowledge mm. about what they might do and how they might manage things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not all of it is legal. Like, maybe a lot of it is like uh, business-wise. That means like, if how do you, how do you talk about your terms and how do you, uh, what kind of agreement do you, do you have with the person who is paying you? Yep. And when you collect payment, uh, not all of these things are like strictly legal. Mm. Possibly if you had a mentor, like, who told you that you, know, you could do it this way, then you could just do it that way. And you, maybe you would never have to see a lawyer. Interesting. Because my, my, are you hearing? You hear about the very good freelancers and that's fine. But you also often hear about people who freelance getting fucked over by their clients. Or, mm. Yeah. In one way or another, maybe the client is being a bitch. The client doesn't want to uh, adhere to the, to the, to the framework that the, the freelancers have yeah. off. Or the client is withholding payment for some reason, even though mm. the job has been done. And I think the knee-jerk reaction would be, what can I do legally? But are there other ways of settling, let's say, something like, like a smaller dispute that you can recommend? Small claims? Small claims, okay. Can they... Mm. Even, even okay, I'm not sure about that, actually. Small claims is quite bigger, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry to say I'm... Probably need to check. Like, small, <laughs> I can't remember what small claims takes. Like, because like it usually takes consumer complaints. Like, that's mainly the kind of disputes that it has for small business with small business. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. Probably also. Okay. I can't remember right now. So small claims. Um. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, sorry. So. What's the question again? How would you recommend settling disputes? If not through a legal means, are there particular levels 
that you could recommend? Hmm. I think that. Uh, so if not legal, but at least they should know their position. Uh, mm. And how does a freelancer have rights? <laughs> I mean, it's just a contract. Is okay. this like has there been a breach of the contract? If never signed contract. If never, but if you never signed contract, then what was agreed upon between you guys, lah? Okay, question: Would email threats and WhatsApp conversations would those constitute as uh, legal proof of let's say uh, an agreement between? the two parties for work done does it does it work like that it could la. it could <laughs> so not it could la. but you're still asking me all these legal advice questions oh, man. all these are legal advice you could be la, because it's oh. like what is your situation right and then yeah. you might act upon it in a way ma. so it's not fair to you if let's say you act upon it and it's actually wrong isn't there a particular framework as to how these things are classified because I didn't know it was legal advice I thought it was just this is how it is and it should be broadly applied. Let's say uh, emails, uh, WhatsApp conversations, like there is a p- proper agreement and in, let's say if there's a need for it to be uh, magnified in a legal sense, these can be constituted as... So I mean, in, in, in contract law, mm. there is no, there's no strict definition of what is uh, contract law. I mean, it doesn't say that it has to be on a piece of paper written down and mm. signed. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, your the elements that constitute a, constitute a, constitute a contract, yeah. that means like somebody offered something and there's acceptance of it and there's like, there is some money involved in yep. it. Yeah, so those could consi- cons- constitute a contract. Yeah. But whether your WhatsApp, uh, whether your WhatsApp messages between yourself and the client have they constituted a contract? That is like, because the answer could be, it depends, like what's, what do you guys say? How could it, what could that mean? Uh, in fact, that's what people argue over in court all the time. Like, did, did we, did we have an agreement there? Mm-hmm. And then at this meeting, one side would say, yes, there has an agreement. Another side would say, no, there wasn't an agreement and they can spend millions of dollars arguing over it. Yeah. Because this could be very big deals as well, Mark. Uh, not mm. if you're not in a freelancing yep. uh, context. So because they spend so much money arguing on it, it's, it's something that could be debatable. So it means that, yes, it could be. But then again, if I say yes, it could be, then it's not really saying anything also. <laughs> it's just that, yeah, maybe if you didn't know before, it doesn't always have to be on a sheet of paper and sign. La. It's just that a sheet of paper and sign, it makes it very clear that you intended like this a contract, like you signed it, these are the terms here, then you can't really argue that much about it. Yeah. So visit Singapore Legal Advice for <laughs> all your contractual <laughs> templates. <laughs> so, so what I got out of this entire conversation is that everything depends circumstantially. Law well, has, has it been that? Mm. Like, like very, I think there is no... I will make comparisons to, uh, let's say, science. There is at least fundamental things that is always true. But I guess for law, it depends on the perspective. It depends on circumstantial things. It depends, I guess, who's arguing better. It's very fishy, law. It's very slippery. I think, I think the, the impression I get is very slippery. Like Because I've always thought that if, let's say, you have an, an agreement, yeah. not just verbal, but they have definite proof that, okay, I agree to do this. 
you're okay for yeah. this amount of money for XXX, all these details, yeah. then it's locked down already. But from what you're saying that, no, there, I can I can think that it's agreed, but you can think it's not. Oh, no, no, it's not that fishy. La. Oh, okay. And it's not that, it's not that fishy. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, like if you say everything is locked down as if it's on a contract, but it's just that it's on WhatsApp messages instead. Yeah, then maybe possible that it's a contract. Yeah, but I'm just uncomfortable saying it, I, I guess, because okay, okay. I am not a lawyer. Yep, understand. That's, that's actually maybe the only reason. Like, if, if uh, yeah, you could probably say that, that there is a contract between you guys. Yeah, and then it would be that, so you could sue based on on that series of of messages. Okay. Disclaimer, <laughs> Yuklun is not an official lawyer. Please do not take this his personal opinions yeah. as legal advice. But yeah. <laughs> I, I understand because yeah. I I because because I wouldn't want someone listening to this and imagining and taking your opinion yeah. hit first and just going to do something rash. Yeah, there should definitely be more research on the subject, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I hope it helps because um, like as a law student to have gone through it, but there is a certain kind of hesitation as well because uh, sometimes like you really don't know what like someone listening to this, their situation is. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's the slight hesitation, but then yeah, I could be, I could be thinking too much as well. Uh. Would it be? So um, I think just to wrap up, um, you mentioned about hotlines so you mentioned about let's say approaching like a law firm like you don't know whether your case is yeah, yeah. or not so yeah. let's say approaching a law firm might be a bit daunting might be a bit expensive might be a bit unnecessary so you mentioned about hotlines before i've never heard of that before so could you just elaborate a little bit on what that is like you call in and you talk yeah so for the online service right now it's you you fill in your details online you make a payment and then the lawyer will call you usually within 24 hours if it's a weekday and all that for a 20 minute phone consultation. So which means that you just tell them what was the issue oh. and then they'll just to the best abilities give you their like opinion on it. So for example, if I am, I rent, I rented an apartment, yeah. I am facing wrongful eviction. I can yeah. call the hotline. Yeah. So for let's say an amount, a sum of money there, 20 minutes, I can tell the person about my problems and he will refer me. He would, uh, this is not really a referral. It's okay. more of like to tell you what are your options, what you might want to do. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a I, I think I mean, like a, <laughs> like, yeah, like a GP like that. Like you have a problem. GP. You can, <laughs> then you see a doctor and ask him what you can do about it. Yeah. More along those lines. La. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I just have one final question for you. If okay. you hold all the power in Singapore, what type of law will you enact? You mean like one law? Or set of laws. Uh, if you want to employ 10 different laws, by all means. But I'm just very curious just to know your answer for this. Wow. Do you want to make dog walking illegal? Do you want to make driving illegal? Driving illegal? Hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I think I'll, since I'm on this show, I'll probably go with something more crazy here. Yeah, please. I'll, prob yeah. I'll probably make the girls do NS as well. Okay. Is <laughs> yeah, there a particular just, reason for that? 
we, we already mm. made the disclaimer that these are all just his personal opinions. <laughs> these are not legal advice. So it is not uh, open for liabilities. Yeah, but why? Uh, because I think it makes it, it makes it makes sense on many levels. Like if you if you say that uh Singapore is a place that needs to be defended, then everybody should do def- defending. Mm. And there is also a more common sense of purpose. There's not much reason why they shouldn't be doing it. Yep. Like if there's a need for guys, then there's a need for girls. I think. Yeah. That's, do you think there needs to be a rethinking of the word defense? I think there's been a lot of push for. I think I read I read on Reddit recently that uh, there was a female marine that just finished the Green Beret course, mm. and I think the Green Beret course is one of the toughest specialist military courses in the world. Yeah, and it's like the first female that, that did it, la. Yeah. So, I think I read in Singapore that perhaps if the the push for female conscription, if it's not let's say like a hard like like BMT like what the guys yeah. do, perhaps like a more rethinking, more social, more softer uh, defense. Yeah. Uh yeah, of course, rethinking of defense. I mean, as you mentioned, like social media, you have bots and all that. Uh that's probably got to be there's probably got to be a strategy against all that but well i'm not sure whether maybe there is i don't know but then if if uh in ns you're supposed to defend then why not ns for those kind of things as well mm, one can hope though. maybe then <laughs> do you know that though just one fact do you know that the u.s army has an esports team <laughs> oh i didn't know that <laughs> well it's the funniest thing uh, so it's i think it's uh eh? Is it US Army esports on Twitter? Or oh, it's most hilarious. Uh. Oh. Like you would never imagine them to have an esports team. <laughs> the US Army. <laughs> but anyways, um, where can people find uh Singapore Legal Advice? Where can people find all your resources? Please tell us. So uh you can find it on SingaporeLegalAdvice.com and uh on our Instagram page at Singapore Legal Advice. Yeah. We have a Facebook page too. Uh at Singapore Legal Advice. Okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug? Nah, it's fine. <laughs> okay, thank you for your time. You look, look, thank you. Yuk Loon. Yeah. So remember, these are all just his personal opinions. These, uh, he's not liable <laughs> for any of them. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.